just heard was the hundreds of rabid Ring of Honor fans who jam-packed the Manhattan Center for Ring of Honor's very first pay-per-view, The Respect is Earned. Hello everyone, my name is Shane Sloan. You may know me also as the host of No Gimmicks Needed, the weekly, well, we try to be weekly wrestling podcast dedicated to more mainstream professional wrestling. Um, but here today, this is Podcast of Honor, this is a show dedicated solely to Ring of Honor Professional Wrestling, and we're here to talk about the monumental first pay-per-view in Ring of Honor history, so there's a lot of great stuff to talk about here on this edition of Podcast of Honor. Um, I'm flying solo today, no no Afton with me on this edition, um, but we won't let that slow us down. Like I said, we got a great pay-per-view to talk about, and I'm going to jump right into it uh, right now. Uh, respect is earned which of course was the, as I've said several times already here at the beginning of the show, the very first ever Ring of Honor pay-per-view finally uh, hit the airwaves a couple weeks ago, well, uh, a little over a month ago, maybe depending on on uh, what provider you chose to view the pay-per-view with. Of course, uh, it was sort of staggered over the past month. I think DirecTV was the first provider to get it, and then later it was... TVN, I believe, and then finally in-demand pay-per-view, which is what most cable providers use as their pay-per-view uh, provider in-demand. So, <clears throat> some of you may have uh, have seen this pay-per-view a long time ago. Some of you it may not be as old, but uh, by now, hopefully, everyone has seen it. Uh, there's certainly no reason why you shouldn't. It was only ten dollars for two hours of some of the best pro wrestling we've seen on pay-per-view in quite some time. Um, so let me go ahead and jump right in and give my kind of a recap of the show, and also at the same time I'm going to give you my opinions on how I think everything went down. Starting with, um, let me say this, this, this pay-per-view, of course, the show Respect is Earned was um, ha- had some certain dark matches on it that weren't... Uh, that are included in the results that you can view at ROHWrestling.com, but they weren't actually on the pay-per-view, so I'm just going to give the actual pay-per-view rundown. Um, the other matches will probably be available on the DVD. I'm not sure. I haven't checked to see if the DVD is out yet for this pay-per-view, but I would assume they're going to throw those uh, extra bonus matches onto the DVD. So I guess they only had two hours of time to fill, so they had to cut out a few matches, which is unfortunate, but... Hey, it's Ring of Honor and pay-per-view, so you can't complain too much. Uh, the first thing that we actually saw was, of course, the crowd coming live, being red-hot as B.J. Whitmer was in the ring. Uh, he had the fans fired up, and he threw out the open challenge, which was, of course, answered by ROH World Champion Takeshi Morishima. Morishima comes out, and he and Whitmer begin to um, slug it out in a very hard-hitting but very short encounter to start off this pay-per-view. Um, the crowd was, I mean, I can't even understate, I mean, I'll give you a little sound clip of it to begin this show, how red-hot the crowd was, especially at the beginning of the show. I mean, they were just on fire, um, just chanting the whole time, on their feet, screaming. I mean, it was awesome, the atmosphere uh, there in the Manhattan Center for this pay-per-view. Now, this first match, of course, um, didn't really last that long at all. Uh, Morishima, 
I mean, B.J. Whitmer, I guess, give him a good go, but Morishima put him down with a backdrop driver, and probably, I didn't have a stopwatch on it, unfortunately, but I would say it couldn't have been more than about three minutes, and, uh, yeah, that was it for, for B.J. Whitmer. I was, I was sort of surprised, really. I know B.J. is, um had a rough go of it here the last few months, as Adam Pierce would, you know, explain later on in the pay-per-view, but I really was, uh, I was a little shocked to say that the first ROH match on pay-per-view would end after about three minutes, uh, with Morishima just going over, uh, pretty dominantly, but I guess they wanted to kind of establish Morishima as a, as an unstoppable force. That was sort of one of the, the general themes of this pay-per-view was to establish the Kishi Morishima as an absolute uh, monster champion. And I think they did a pretty good job doing that. Um, after Morishima, of course, won the match, then you know out comes the series of wrestlers that would be involved in the, the night's main event, starting with Nigel McGinnis. Nigel comes out, basically says that he wants to shot at the world title. Uh, then the big shocker of the night, which of course it wasn't really a shocker to probably anyone who was watching the pay-per-view because you'd already read the news on the internet, seeing as this pay-per-view was taped uh, 5-12-07 and, pro- and didn't air until last month, about two months after it was actually taped. But um, yeah, the return of Brian Danielson got a big pop from the from the live crowd. Danielson came out and basically said that, hey, I'm still the best in the world. If anybody deserves a title shot, it should be me. Then he and Morishima proceeded to beat down Nigel McGinnis, and um, they, you know, then they kind of got into a little bit of altercation because Danielson grabbed the ROH World Title and, I guess, trying to claim it for his own, but uh, Morishima wasn't having any of that. So it's kind of up in the air at this point as to what was going to happen with the ROH World Title. Um, the show then moves on to the first actual, really, I, I mean, well, I guess it's not really the first actual match, it was the second match of the night, um, but one of the first actual long, good matches of the show, which was, da- uh, <clears throat> excuse me, not Davy Richards, but um, Rocky Romero, a fellow No Remorse Corps member, along with Davy Richards, taking on former GHC world champion, Naomichi Marafuji, and what kind of, um, I guess it doesn't really surprise me, but I found it sort of interesting is how prominently displayed a lot of these pro wrestling Noah guys were on the first Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Now, I know Noah has a big part uh, in Ring of Honor. Obviously, the world champion is Dikishi Marafuji, or I'm getting them all uh, mixed up here, Dikishi Morishima, not Marafuji. But, uh, yeah, I mean, half the guys that, that wrestled uh, in these matches were from Pro Wrestling Noah. <coughs> Excuse me. So I, I just kind of found that a little interesting. I mean, that, um, you know, I mean, these guys obviously, I mean, you can basically consider them part of Ring of Honor, but at the same time, how long are they really going to be over here, you know? So maybe they, I, I don't know. I mean, they want to put forth obviously the best matches possible. So I'm not really complaining about it. I'm just saying, you know, maybe they could have focus more on developing their own talent. You know, I, I mean, guys that are, like, American and work, wrestle, you know, predominantly for Ring of Honor, not just, you know, people visiting from Pro Wrestling Noah. So, I don't know, that's just a little bit of a, um observation. However, I was very, very uh, glad to see the return of Naomichi Marafuji. I'm a big fan of Marafuji. Um, 
I think his match that he had at Glory of Honor 5 Night 2 with Nigel McGuinness was absolutely phenomenal. One of my favorite matches of last year. And uh, he and Rocky Romero really had a, a really nice matchup going. Uh, they gave it plenty of time. And, uh, you know, it, it was, like I said, a very solid matchup. I, and that's how it really went with most of these matchups. It really wasn't a match that I can say, other than maybe the first match, that I really didn't like on this show. Everything, I think, was really well done. But, yeah, the match with Naomichi Marafuji, Rocky Romero, very solid match. Marafuji, of course, going over with the slot spread number two on Rocky Romero, getting the one, two, three. Again, really nice to see Marafuji back, even though, like I said, if maybe they should have thought about, I don't know, putting more emphasis on some of their homegrown talent and not just guys that they're borrowing from Pro Noah. But um, regardless of that, solid matchup. Next up on the card, we had a... Uh, I think we may have had a promo at this point. I'm not exactly sure here. But I know at some point in here, it may have been after this match. It may have been after the next match. But I'll go ahead and talk about it right now. We had a Sweet and Sour Larry Sweeney promo where he basically talks about... I, I guess they had a lot of these little promos kind of explaining things. He talked about his you know Sweet and Sour... Enterprises or whatever his company's called, I forget what it's called now, and how you know Tank Tolan is his person, you know, his trainer or whatever, and uh, he's got Chris Heroes, his big star, and also you now announced that Sarah Del Rey is going to be with him. And then they have a kind of humorous uh, little promo with Tank Tolan trying to get Bobby Dempsey into shape, as well as having a squat contest with Sarah Del Rey. Um, while, I mean, this was an entertaining little segment, I mean, I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but to me, if I only have two hours to spend and, you know, try to get guys out there, get guys' names out there, is this really how I'm, uh, do I really want to waste my time, I mean, I guess it wasn't a waste, but do I really want to spend my time on Tank Tolan? And Sarah Del Rey and Bobby Dempsey, I think they just give maybe a little bit too much time to these three guys. I mean, they could give some promo time maybe to some of the other wrestlers that weren't really predominantly featured here on this show. Uh, instead of, you know, having this little promo with, you know, Tank Tolan and, you know, all those guys and Larry Sweeney. So, thought maybe this ran a little bit too long. I mean, I, I would be perfectly fine with it. I mean, it was, it was you know, kind of humorous and everything. If it was just on a regular DVD, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it at all. But I mean, judging by the fact that they had to cut things from this pay-per-view because they only had a certain amount of time, I don't know that we really needed to put this on there. The same way with the Adam Pearce promo later in the show. I'll just go ahead and talk about it right now. As later on in the show, they talked to Adam Pearce that you know cut a pretty long promo talking about how. People are trying, you know, it's really gut check time now and all that kind of good stuff. Now, B.J. Whitmer uh, is a train wreck all of a sudden, you know, because he lost to Jimmy Jacobs and all this and that. Speaking of Jimmy Jacobs, nowhere to be found on this card. Maybe we get to talk to Jimmy Jacobs instead of Tank Tolan and, and Larry Sweeney. That's just my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, if they had cut both of those promos... And maybe they could have squeezed another one of these matches onto the card. I mean, we had Brent Albright versus Tank Tolan. We also had um, a couple other matches that we didn't get to see. Davey Richards versus Eric Stevens. You know, maybe there had been enough time to put one of those matches on there. I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm not going to complain too much about that. 
because the wrestling that they did get to put on the show was really phenomenal. The next match that we got to see was a very solid World Tag Team title match. Obviously, you know when Jay and Mark Briscoe are involved in a match, it's going to be a very good match. And they defended their belts against Matt Sidell and Claudio Castagnoli, two other phenomenal wrestlers. Now, I didn't really hold any hopes of Matt Sidell and Claudio actually winning the tag team titles. I would have been highly surprised. Well, I, mean, I already kind of knew what was going to happen anyway going into the show. But, I mean, the saying from a... If I had never known the results, I wouldn't really think the Briscoes would have lost. Regardless of the fact that I didn't really hold out hopes of Matt Sidell and Claudio actually winning, the match they had was, was like I said, double, you know, double grade A, phenomenal. Really solid match. Uh, and I think it really gave the, the fans out there who haven't seen Ring of Honor a real taste of what the tag team division's all about, what the Briscoes are all about. You know, Matt Sidell, all the guys were really showcased very nicely in this match, and it showed why, you know, I think the tag team division in Ring of Honor is the best tag team division, hands down, in all professional wrestling right now, uh, at least certainly in America. I can't really speak as much for no, Pro Wrestling Noah and... Um, and um, Dragon Gate. I'll say this about Pro Wrestling Noah. I think that if you're just... Because I, I, I was watching a little bit of Noah that I had um, got my hands on a Noah DVD. And I was watching a little bit of it. I haven't watched all of it. I watched um, a main event between... Uh, it was They actually made mention of this match. Kenta def- uh, had an opportunity at the ROH World Title against uh, Takeshi Morishima in Japan. And that match, I mean, let me explain a little bit of the difference between Noah. I mean, a lot of people think Noah is, wow, it's just the greatest thing ever. And it's good. I'm not saying it's not. But what I am going to say is this. It's a, it's a lot different than you might think. I mean, the matches that, that they have in Ring of Honor aren't necessarily the same as what you're going to see in Pro Wrestling Noah. The match he had with Kenta versus Morishima, a match that you would assume in, in Ring of Honor, I mean, it's going to be no shorter than... Uh, at least 20 minutes. The match lasted like 9 minutes. Morishima probably used 3 moves the whole match. He did like 5 backdrop drivers to put Kenta away. Kenta was almost squashed in it in a way. I mean, he got some offense in. But it really wasn't... I mean, if you compare that to a Ring of Honor match, I'll just say right now, I mean, that Ring of Honor blew, you know, blows Noah out of the water and list in that match. And then some other matches that were on the card... Um, um, just weren't really that impressive either. Um, I mean, maybe it's just not a good show, but maybe, you know, the fact that I don't really know the guys, maybe that, you know, has something to do with it. But I wasn't blown away like I am sometimes of Ring of Honor. It's a more slower style. The crowd is a lot different in Japan. They're not as... um, I mean, sometimes I mean, they can get some good pops going, but I don't think they're quite as rabid as the Ring Water fans. I don't know. So it's just kind of... I think it's sometimes overhyped a little bit by some people on the Internet. They talk about how great Noah is, and I think they blow it a little bit out of proportions because for my money, I'd rather watch Ring of Honor. Uh, even though a lot of these Noah guys, it seems like when they come over to America, the matches they have in America, in my opinion, and again, this is a very limited opinion of Ring of Honor, or uh, excuse me, Pro Wrestling Noah, the matches they have in America are a lot better than a lot of the matches I've seen them have in Japan. So... Again, that's just my opinion. But anyway, that really has nothing to do, I guess, with this uh, tag team title defense that that uh, Jay and Mark uh, had against Sidell and Castagnoli. Of course, they retained the belt with a very nice springboard 
Doomsday device. I was hoping for the Spike J Driller myself. I'm really a big mark for the Spike J Driller, but we didn't get to see it. It got broken up, but still very solid match. Of course, after the match, we had a very wild post-match uh, commotion when El Generico and Kevin Steen came out challenging the Briscoes for a tag team title match. Then they hit the ring, a huge brawl. They try to get separated, and then Kevin Steen and El Generico proceed to lay some brutal beatings on some of these like security flunkies, you know, that they have trying to break them up. Kevin Steen uh, did some really impressive stuff, and I'm very excited about the possibilities of El Generico and Kevin Steen and the Briscoes. I would assume that that match is going to be on the second ROH pay-per-view. You know, it only makes sense, as, you know, as so and I think that's going to be a really awesome tag team uh, title match if that is, in fact, on the next ROH pay-per-view. Also, on this ROH pay-per-view, we had Roderick Strong taking on Delirious, a little recap of their recent feud with Shown, where uh, Delirious was violently assaulted by Roderick Strong. He, of course, was out for revenge here in this match. One of the things that you know, I guess they were really squeezing in the time. So some of these people, like, for example, this match, they cut off both men's introductions. Uh, the match just started with the bell ringing, essentially, after the video package. So that's kind of some of those things like that. I don't necessarily like, again, once again, cut out. They could have maybe cut some time off some of those promos and let the guys walk out because it just, I don't know, there's something about, like, getting to see some of these entrants. Now, Roderick Strong, his entrance... I, you know, eh, no big deal, really. But Delirious has a really cool entrance. I really like it. And I think it adds a lot to see some of these guys' entrances because I think they're really cool. I'm a little bit disappointed by that. But, again, I'm, I'm nitpicking at it a little bit because there, just the wrestling was so phenomenal, it's hard to really say anything. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find a few bad things to say. I mean, a, a few flaws, if there are any, and admittedly there's not many as far as the wrestling goes, because this was another phenomenal matchup. Uh, <clears throat> Roderick Strong going over clean, over the Lyrus. He used a Gibson driver to finally put the Lyrus away. I was a little surprised. I thought maybe the Lyrus might go over, but but uh, it kind of makes sense to keep Strong strong, if you will. Keep him... Um, you know, looking really, you know, because he's a big-time star here for Ring of Honor, so you really want to put him over. And uh, post-match, we have the No Remorse Corps coming out, bringing out a piece of the security railing. And, uh, again, the violent beatdown continues with the Lyrus getting slammed onto the guard railing. They were using an almost like an old-school ECW table that had propped up between the ring apron and the guardrail. So, I mean, this, there was a lot of, like kind of, you know, illusions, if you will, you know, throw um, throwbacks to ECW, the first ECW pay-per-views. Number one, just how hot the crowd was, the fact that they were chanting ROH, very, I mean, ECW basically invented that. As far as I know, no one was ever chanting WWE or or WWF back in the day or WCW. I think, as far as I can tell, Ring of, I mean, ECW kind of invented that, and now it's just kind of become the standard for promotions such as Ring of Honor and TNA. They get some of the chance, but a lot of times that's kind of... Uh, Kind of a little cheap, I think. I think people just think, hey, you know, 
we're supposed to chant the company's initials. That's what the cool people do sometimes in TNA, where it's not as sincere as it is in Ring of Honor, I think, because in Ring of Honor, they, they don't just chant it to be chanting sometimes. I mean, when somebody does a plancha, they don't just start chanting uh, ROH, you know, whereas in TNA, anybody does some sort of move to the outside, you know you're going to get a this is awesome chant going or something. But that's a whole nother rant to get off on. But yeah, so very reminiscent, like I said, kind of the old ECW. Um, and then after things were looking really bad for Delirious, No More's Core, of course, just putting the putting the screws to poor Delirious. Out comes uh, freaking blanked on his name here for a minute. Eric Stevens, he comes out to make the save and drive off the No Remorse Corps, so that should be interesting to see the feud between the Resilience and uh, and the No Remorse Corps, how that continues over the next uh, months in Ring of Honor, and more importantly, I guess, on Ring of Honor pay-per-view, because that's what the people really want to see, more pay-per-views. Finally, we had the main event, which was, uh, I kind of uh, glossed over it, I guess, but it, uh, it was... Um, it was after the tag team title match, I believe, or before one. I'm not totally sure. Uh, they cut back to the ring, and we had uh, everyone brawling again. We had uh, all the, the world title, people that wanted to throw their head in the ring as far as the world title goes. Morishima and uh, Kent, or not Kenta, he comes out, actually. But it was Morishima and... McGinnis and Danielson. Basically, Danielson and Morishima once again double-teaming Nigel McGinnis. Kenta comes out, makes a save. They announce the main event, which is, of course, Brian Danielson and Takeshi Morishima versus... Or Brian Danielson and Morishima, yeah, versus Nigel McGinnis and Kenta in a Dream Tag Team... Not title, but just a Dream Tag Team match. This, again, I mean, what can be said? I mean, if you've seen the pay-per-view, you know it was a great match. Everyone... I, mean, I knew before they even rung the bell, this is going to be a really, really good match. Uh, I loved it. We had um, Brian Danielson. I mean, he's, he hasn't missed a beat, pretty much. He comes right back, steps right back in, and he's back to his old ways of uh, just beating people, you know. He seems nearly unbeatable. Kenta put up a hell of a challenge. All these men, I mean, there were so many near falls in this match, so many times where it could have went either way, so many times where you thought, you know, that's got to be it. Nigel, of course, pulls out the, the big gutsy performance. He, I don't know if it was legitimate or not. I'm, I'm thinking it probably wasn't legitimate, obviously, but he hurt his elbow and, you know, pulls off the real gutsy Nigel, you know, performance that's really got the fans so behind him. Uh, he takes up the takes up the elbow and goes back in there and throws a lariat with the injured elbow, uh, showing a lot of guts. But it's still not enough because in the end, Brian Danielson is, forces Kenta to tap to the cattle mutilation in a phenomenal tag team match, and that pretty much sums up respect is earned. So, top to bottom, I mean, we had some great matches. Like I said, the main event tag match was really solid. The tag team title match, great. Strong, delirious. Very solid match. Marafuji, Romero, good. The only match on the show that really just, I mean, I, I guess it served its purpose, I suppose. But, I mean, the, the B.J. Whitmer uh, 
versus Morishima match that was kind of kind of awkward as far as Ring of Honor goes because Ring of Honor Ring of Honor excuse me hardly ever does anything like that have a, a three minute match so that was a little awkward but I'll forgive them for that um, so overall again one more thing I guess if I wanted to nitpick about this pay per view is I really would have liked to have seen an epic world title match but I guess I, I mean because I'm I've said before if you've listened to my podcast, No Gimmicks Needed, that I'm not a big fan. I probably even said it on this podcast before, too. I'm not a big fan of the tag team main event. I feel like world titles are supposed to be defended on pay-per-view main events. You're not supposed to have some tag team title, some tag team match, not even a tag team title match, but just it's like the world champion and his partner versus somebody, you know, some team in a tag team match. I'm not really a big fan of those kind of main events. In this case, I guess they want to, A, number one, they wanted to maximize the number of people they got on television. So having a tag team main event does that. Whereas a singles match, you know, you'd have to have two of these guys would have had to set out. You would, let's say you had Morishima versus McGinnis. Then what do you really do with Danielson Kenta? They could have had a phenomenal match, but you don't have time to have another singles match on your show. And if you did, you'd have to bump one of the matches you already had. So two hours for a pay-per-view isn't really a lot of time. I think they did a good job, though, overall of cramming it with the best action they could. Um, You know, maybe some people really like the promos. I don't know if cutting them would have really gave you enough time for really any kind of good match. So, you know... It could have maybe made the ones that you had a little bit longer. Maybe we'd have had a few more entrances. Uh, I know the tag match, I think the wrestlers came out together. They didn't have their own separate entrances. So maybe we'd have had more time for a little things like that. But I guess really you need those promos in a way. Because you gotta, you're gotta, you trying to establish the brand. You're trying to, trying to let people know what the company is all about. And I think overall this pay-per-view did a really good job of that. It set up really nicely a the next pay-per-view. I mean, we already got some um, matches that I think seem logical to book for the next pay-per-view, uh, which has already been booked. But I, I'm trying to stay... I'm trying to really avoid the spoilers for the second pay-per-view. So, you know, you just have to take my word for it because... You know, obviously, I could be lying about this, but yeah, I'm trying to really, you know, stay away from it. So if I was just throwing out a guess, what I think should be the kind of the matches on the next pay-per-view, I think you need something with Danielson Morishima possibly for the world title. I think that seems very logical. Uh, you also need something with the Briscoes. Briscoes definitely need to defend against Generico and Stain. You need something with. The resiliency versus um, no remorse core matches like that, all those things make you know those are kind of the logical next steps for that were you know set up really nicely with this pay per view. So as a whole, going by the old rating scale that I like to use here on this podcast and my other podcast, No Gimmicks Needed, scale of one to five, five being the best, one being the worst, I would give this pay per view a four out of five. Wrestling. Very solid value, very solid. Again, I mean, ten bucks for this for two hours of great wrestling, can't really beat that. Um, I mean, just you know, a few little nitpicking things, uh, but yeah, I mean, probably the, one of the best wrestling pay-per-views I've watched 
in quite some time. And I'm really looking forward to the next pay-per-view, which I don't think will actually air. I don't even know if the official air date has been announced yet. To my knowledge, it has not been. It's supposed to be sometime in September when the next pay-per-view will be on television. It'll probably be several different release dates if it's anything like this first pay-per-view went. But uh, hopefully ROH you know, continues to, to go strong with this. Uh, hopefully this is will help them maybe possibly score a television deal at some point. That would be great. Or maybe at least get uh, monthly pay-per-views and not and not buy monthly pay-per-views because I don't really think this model is going to do it for them. Having a pay-per-view every two months, isn't, they're not going to be able to build a company around that model. At some point, I mean, they can use this as a launching point, but it's got to go somewhere from here. They, they're not going to get by on just having a pay-per-view every two months because people aren't really going to, they're just going to forget about it, you know? I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty easy to just forget about Ring of Honor. Oh, yeah, Ring of Honor is having a pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I remember I watched one of, them, one of their shows a couple months ago. And another thing, a big problem I can see happening with this already is, I mean, people leaving the company, not just before the next pay-per-view, but where they take the pay-per-view so far in advance, you could have a guy who's no longer with the company, yet still in the main event of your pay-per-view because you taped it two months ago. So they're going to have to work on that model a lot. But overall, just from a wrestling point of view, as a wrestling fan, I would, I mean, I really I thought it was really great. And, I mean, I'd really be interested to see someone who possibly had never seen the pay, had never watched Ring of Honor before, what they thought of it, how well it... Uh, grab their attention, whether or not they liked it, whether or not they would be interested to watching more Ring of Honor. Of course, I'm already a, you know, a big fan of Ring of Honor. Uh, try to watch as many DVDs as possible. I've been watching a lot that I haven't got, had time to talk about here on this podcast, but you know, I've been, like I said, um, watching Ring of Honor for, for a while now. Uh, it already had me hooked, but I'd be interested to hear what a person who had never watched Ring of Honor thought about you know, Ring of Honor is watching this pay-per-view. So if you are such a person, and this is the first time you got to see Ring of Honor, or the first, maybe you'd seen only once before, seen a few YouTube videos or something, I'd be really interested to hear what you thought about Ring of Honor. Uh, also, just any other general comments, questions, anything like that that you have for me, I'd love to hear for that. Hear those as well. You can send your emails to podcastofhonor at gmail.com. Of course, the blog for this uh Lovely podcast is podcastofhonor.blogspot.com. And, of course, my main show, show that I try to run every week, is No Gimmicks Podcast, which you can find at nogimmickspodcast.blogspot.com. So if you're a fan of the mainstream WWE and TNA, that is your source for news, rumors, opinions, all that kind of good stuff. One thing I'm going to leave you with here on the podcast is read off a few tour dates uh, for the upcoming weeks and months here in Ring of Honor. So if you're listening and you'd like to maybe go out and see a show, I'll read them off here real quick. Of course, you can find more information about these tour dates at ringofhonorwrestling.com. You can just click on schedule at the top of the screen. But those lucky dogs in um, Boston, Massachusetts, August 10th, Death Before Dishonor 5, Night 1, August 11th, over in Philly, Death Before Dishonor, Night 2. Hartford, Connecticut, Caged Rage is the name of that show. August 24th, the 25th, they're back in New York, New York. 
at the Manhattan Center, which is becoming really one of the biggest show. They always they always go all out for the Manhattan Center, so that should be a really good show on the 25th. Detroit on the 14th, Chicago Ridge, Illinois on the 15th. This is, of course of September, October 6th. They're in Edison, New Jersey, October 21st. They're making their, as far as I know, their first ever West Coast appearance. So all you people on the West Coast who have been dying to see some Ring of Honor, you're finally going to get your opportunity uh, as part of Wrestle Fan Fest 2007, which is something that I just heard about a couple days ago, and I'm really interested in because it looks great. It kind of looks like a Comic-Con type convention for wrestling, which is something I was just thinking about the other day. I was like, why don't they, I mean, because Comic-Con, of course, if you're a, any kind of comic books, movies, television type nerd, you probably know what Comic-Con is. And it's a huge show as well as, you know, E3. They just had E3. That's another type of big convention. I'm like, why don't they have one for wrestling? Apparently they do, uh, Wrestle Fan Fest. And Wrestle Fan Fest 2007 is, I guess, going to be in the San Francisco area, the Bay Area. And October 21st, Ring of Honor will be there, and they're going to run a show uh, coinciding with Wrestle Fan Fest, so you're lucky uh, if you live out there in the Bay Area or in just in the West Coast. This is probably about as close as you're going to get to see Ring of Honor, so you definitely don't want to miss that opportunity. Also announced November 30th, they're going to be in the Montgomery County Fairgrounds in Dayton. I really need to go to one of these shows in Dayton. Dayton's about as close as I'm going to get to seeing a Ring of Honor show live and in person, being from Central Kentucky, so thing is, it's still a pretty pretty hefty drive to Dayton. I think somewhere around maybe three-hour drive. Um, but one of these days I'm going to make it. I'm going to go up there. November 30th, uh, you know, college and all that kind of crap always gets in the way, seems like it. But I'm going to have to see if I can't clear my schedule and try to get up there. It's a Friday, so I'd always skip school and head up there, skip college classes. But yeah. November 30th, Dayton, Ohio, and then finally, Deer Park, New York on February 22nd of next year. So, that's what the schedule looks like for Ring of Honor for the next couple of months, so be sure to go check that out, especially you people on the West Coast. That's a huge, I'm sure it's going to be a huge deal um, as their West Coast debut uh, on November 30th. We want to get out there and see that. I guess that wraps up pretty much everything I want to talk about here on this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first pay-per-view Ring of Honor put out. Respect is earned. They certainly earned my respect with the show. Well, they already had my respect, so they didn't have to earn it. Uh, I hope they earned the respect of a lot of casual wrestling fans that had never seen Ring of Honor before. I hope Ring of Honor continues to prosper. As I said, I will be back with Podcast of Honor, hopefully pretty soon with some just general DVD reviews. But certainly after the next pay-per-view airs, I'll definitely have another Podcast of Honor out for you. Um, Again, if you want to send any emails, feedback, questions, comments, you can do that at podcastwander at gmail.com. But for now, that wraps up another edition of Podcast Wander. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.